Welcome to the RSVP In Conversation With member podcast. RSVP is a member community for the global luxury wedding and party industry. And every week I interview a different member. After half an hour, you'll know them like old friends. Sit back and enjoy. My guest today describes himself thus. I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1969. Probably two of the coolest things about me, being born, albeit not raised in Brooklyn, and the fact I was alive in 1969 with such cool things as Woodstock, the moon landing, and the Mets World Series, even though being a baby knobs, I didn't witness any of them. A pretty average 1980s kid, I played sports, played some guitar, guitar and piano, but played way more video games than both. Even though I was a good kid, I was probably best described as a wise ass. I attended the University of Michigan, but but still found a way to make partying my major, graduating with a degree in archaeology. I'm always the first to joke how handy this degree has come in for a career in in entertainment. But the best thing that came out of college was finding my forever love, my wife Jen, who has tolerated me for over 32 years and counting. We have two children, Ryan, a senior at Ohio State University, who shares my love for classic cars, and Jesse, an incredible artist, Ivy League graduate, and a real grown-up adult living and working in New York City. I started in the entertainment business because a childhood friend asked me to join in as a DJ right out of college, and since I had no archaeological digs to go on, I decided to give it a go. With no true experience in the music industry, I, re- I quickly realized I had a knack for it and subsequently started On The Move Entertainment in 1993 and the rest is history. I'm currently putting finishing touches to a forthcoming book, The Entertainer's Guide to Entertaining, where my expertise will touch upon all aspects of throwing the perfect party from the perspective of the entertainment. The book will also contain anecdotes from amongst the thousands of events I've produced over the course of my career, with particular insight into working with celebrity clientele and the world's most foremost event planners. Welcome, Darren Olash. Hello, James. Hello. I've got to ask about the book because that was the last thing which I said. So is it a, is it a what's and all kiss and tell? It, it is a little bit because Ooh. I've been working on it for so many years that I've decided that if I'm really, really going to have the industry's dark and dirty secrets, I'll probably never work again. So it, pro- <laughs> it might be my, my, you know, my farewell goodbye, my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just um, maybe release it the, the day that you retire. Exactly. Or sell the company, <laughs> or both. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, well, actually, let's just go back to you being a baby in arms in 1969. And, um, I mean, I'm I'm the other side of the new year. I was born in February 1970. So I missed all that, I'm afraid. Yeah, you don't have that cool, you don't have the cool year on your driver's license. No, you know? no, I don't. But then again, I was born in the 1970s, so... <laughs> so people think i'm probably 10 years older than what i am they um or 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 younger maybe anyway you obviously didn't know that woodstock was going on but what is your earliest memory way back when yeah you know it it came from people older it came from parents you know and and it came from my my request to my parents saying well you know how come you didn't go to to woodstock (laughs) and they blame me they blame being pregnant with me why they didn't go to Woodstock. And I said, wow. I mean, so we both lose. I didn't go and you didn't go. <laughs> well, Marcy Bloom went, you know. Yes. Yeah, we have a, we have that bond. Marcy and I bond over, you know, my wanting to be there and her actually being there and being this, you know, 
completely too young to be there, but wild stories. I love her stories of Woodstock. Yeah. She's something else as well. So she was just fantastic. Okay. So, and, um, so your first memories would have been in the 1970s growing up and the 1980s being, being a wise ass, mm-hmm. um, um, kind of over there. So, so that was good. So, I mean, I do ask this of everybody, but you are the professional. So what was your first gig? Well, my, my first professional gig, you know, when I started, it was really doing uh, DJ parties. And I remember mm-hmm. it was called Parents Without Partners. And wow. It, okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was probably the saddest, saddest uh, group of people I've ever seen in one room. It was, I was DJing and it was, there was maybe 30, 40 people in this room and uh trying to find love in the most awkward ways and me trying to figure out what song is going to get these sad people to actually find love that night oh, no. <laughs> parents without partners yeah i don't know if it exists i have no idea what it is but i'll never forget it actually um i've just <laughs> i've just realized americans use the word gig differently to how us brits do you meant in terms of a, of a professional engagement with us a gig is a concert that a band would play at and you would pay a ticket to go in so oh, what was so, no so kidding was, yeah 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 so what was the first band you saw live i think it's probably it the was band. uh journey uh you know journey. it was journey i think it was 1984 or 5 so i was 14 or 15 or something like that and it was journey yeah i got a clear memory of it well well that that's a good one actually that's that's probably the best one I've had so far, actually. Really? That's a concert I would want to go to. Yeah. And I saw them again last year or two. You know, I'll be a different singer, but, you know, 30, whatever, 52 years. How many years? I'm not doing the math. That's why I'm in entertainment. <laughs> okay. And do you have a favorite style of music that you that you listen to as pleasure? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I have two, two wide spectrums of music that I love and I was raised with. On the one hand, I was raised with rock and hard rock from Zeppelin, you know, to Ozzy, to all that hard rock, loved it growing up. But I was also there for the birth of hip hop. I mean, I was a New Yorker raised. And when we saw hip hop hit the streets and hit, hit the airwaves, I mean, I was, I was sold. So, you know, now that we're celebrating 50 years of hip hop this year, uh-huh. I mean, that's me. That's my whole, that's my whole youth. Yeah. And any particular artists that are the, the biggest impacts? I mean, I would show you? you my camera because behind uh, my other, I would tilt my camera over. I have a huge eight foot poster of the Beastie Boys in my office. So I, I'm a big Beastie Boys again, you know, from Brooklyn, New York, you know, these, these guys that were awkward and weird, but made it so, so high into the hip hop game. Yes. I'm a Beastie Boys guy. Okay. <laughs> so. You went to school in the 1980s and you decided well, at the age of 18 to become an to do a degree in archaeology. Is it is it 18 that you go to university? It was, yeah. I mean, I went to school not, not quite going for archaeology, but while I was in school and I was studying and like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? You know, I was, I was literally just bouncing around the book to find a degree and literally I'm not making that up. Um, I just stumbled upon archaeology. I took a class. I'm like, I could do this and I can graduate in time, not have to go to more than that. And I figured it was going to be sort of this setup to maybe go to law school or do like what every other Jew my age did, which was, you know, regular graduate, regular undergraduate, then graduate school and then life. But I couldn't wait to get out of school. So I took my archaeology degree and I ran. <laughs> Fantastic. 
one of my ex-girlfriends, I'm sure was an archaeologist because she was so good at, at digging up the past. It was unbelievable. Oh, come on. <laughs> I had to get that one in. I had you to get me, that joke You in. want me to say, I can dig it? Yeah, I can dig <laughs> that, man. I can dig it. But uh, you found your your wife at university, yes? Yeah, we met, we met at school. Yeah, we met at college. Yep, she's a couple years younger than me, but we met and, and have been together since. So how about that? Two great children. Two awesome kids. Love my kids. Yep, yep. So tell me, what classic cars do you have? Well, you know, and we made a pivot because I had for a very long time a 69 Mustang uh, convertible. Um, again, 69, you're getting the connection to 1969. <laughs> it was my lifelong dream to have. I had it for about 15 years. I sold it a couple of years ago because my son, who when he became driving age, we got into BMWs. So now we're, we're, we've switched from maybe classic cars to now, you know, the, the insane BMW world. So we both have M, uh, BMW cars that we, we fuck around with, but <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Okay. So in terms of favorite art forms, I think we know it's music, but is, is there a second favorite? Do you, are you a film buff, an art buffer? Not so much anything than that, but but I do I I do like uh, I'm a, I'm I guess you could consider me um, a carpenter. You know, I do a lot of fine woodworking. I do a lot of uh, building in my spare time, and I consider an art. Like when I build something that is, you know, not just difficult to make but looks beautiful, and that's one of my favorite things. So a lot of the things in my office in our headquarters here in New York, I've done, I built. Like we have a bar in our cabaret that everybody in the office knows I like to brag about, that that's my bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wonderful. Let's turn to food then. So if if you had, could have any food as your, well, I won't say your final meal, but if, it, if it's, it's your go-to meal, what my would it be? My desert island meal? Yeah, if I was yes. dying, I mean, it'd, okay. it'd have to be Italian in some in some respect. There'd have to be... That have to be pizza in there. That have to be chicken parm in there. That I mean, because if I had to say a specific food, I guess we could say pizza. You know, a good you know coal fire, wood fire pizza. But you know, all Italian for us is good. And in terms of your drinks, if you okay, so you got this amazing wooden bar, handmade by yourself, many many hours of whittling, as 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 made this bar. Behind it is your incredibly hot wife. Uh, and and there's every single drink you can possibly have in the world, and she, and she's there. She's going to make you whatever you want. What what would it be? I guess it would be in the Scotch family. So whether it's uh you know a single malt or or blended, you know depends what day of the week. I usually uh will will stay in the Scotch family for sure. You you've got the best pizza chef in the world, and he's bringing his his own private oven to, to your home. You've got the fully stocked bar and your dream dinner party with that food and that drink. Who is around the table? It could be anyone, alive or dead, in the public eye, any anybody you want. This is your dream. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to have food. We're not going to have any alcohol, okay? We're going to have a big pile of drugs in the middle of this table. <laughs> and it's going to be all the, you know, incredible rock stars that died young. I want to party with, like, I don't know, like, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. So uh, it's the 27 Club, yes? It's the 27 Club, but with drugs, though. I want to do it <laughs> when they were do when they were living their best lives, like so zoomed out of their minds. I want to be there those nights. You know, I don't want to be there in the dark, dark days when they really, you know, okay. you know, really were at the end. I want to be in their high, high times. That's what I want to do. 
that's a pretty unique answer. I don't think I've ever, I'm ever going to have an answer like that before. All right. But but no, that's good. That's good. Oh, wait, that's this good. is going to be on the air? Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, but, can... no, but I've seen the stats. No one listens to these. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And... Okay, we, we all work incredibly hard in this industry. And um, and so you're, you're coming off a busy season, your Christmas or your summer or whatever, where you're doing 10 gigs a night in terms of bookings and you have to be at all of them simultaneously. And then, but you've got two weeks off with nothing to do. Okay, and you, where do you go? Uh, yeah, I'm going to the mountains. You know, I am, I always joke with my wife that maybe we would live off grid one day. So maybe it won't be off grid, but it would be a combination of literally being in the mountains. It would be in the winter. I love cold. I love snow. I love to ski. And so for me, my happy place is, you know, out West in, in the U.S. where, you know, I go to Utah a lot, go to Colorado a lot. And, and who knows, maybe that's where, I, you know, I finish out my life somewhere in the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do, do you skate? Yeah. Yeah. My whole family skis. I've been skiing since I was a little boy. Used to race in, in college. So uh, I love skiing. Yeah. Now, we've all got a bucket list. Both of us are roughly the same age by a few months. And so we're about halfway through, aren't we, I think? Wow. I don't know if I could do it in 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how, how part of the 27 club you are, really, I think. So what's left? What's left on the bucket list that you want to get in in your, your remaining 50 years? Yeah, I mean, there's there's still some places in the world, you know, I love to travel, you know, we, we do go, we do try to find ourselves in little pockets of the world. And so I still think there's places on earth that I haven't hit so that I do want to hit. And actually, you know, I went to a, uh, a national park last summer, I went to Moab in, in uh, out west, and I've never done the US national parks. And although there's amazing places all around the world, what's in our own country here in the U.S. is mind-boggling what, what you know, like beautiful places there are. And, and so I do have a bucket list to hit a lot of those national parks um, and, you know, traveling the world as well. But I, I could be happy opening up a, uh, you know, a, a shop, you know, building and, and doing things the rest of my life, which is just uh, building beautiful creations, whether it's furniture or like you said, I could whittle away the rest of my life doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use whittle from now on. So whittle, it's, 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 yeah. it's a good word is whittle. It's a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good, good word. Now, when you've maybe had a few too many whiskey, whiskey sours or, or you've been indulging in the 27 Club, I don't know, do you have a special talent that comes out? You can even do it when you're sober, it's fine. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it also is a special talent being drunk because I'm definitely not going to whittle with sharp, sharp instrument <laughs> when I'm drunk. <laughs> I have done that. No, I'm definitely not going to. I'm definitely not going to race cars when I'm drunk either. But <laughs> well, I've done that in town. No, um, but no, you know, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. You know, I work with all these amazing musicians and singers and these artists that I work with day to day. You know, blow me away. And there's no way that I would ever hold a candle to them to grab a microphone or grab my guitar like I used to play. So, so no, I stay away from playing music when I'm really hammered. That's probably the hardest thing. Is, <laughs> Is don't don't do it don't do it yeah <laughs> okay okay wonderful and I mean we all work in luxury by the luxury service luxury experience how do you define luxury and also is there a product or service you think that epitomizes it maybe outside of our industry yeah no I mean I I've actually thought about this many times and I thought about like being 
you know, bougie and staying in only five star resorts. And once you've been exposed to the level of, of places that we not only work, but if, if you're lucky enough to be on this side of our life, where we'll we be able to stay uh, leisurely at some of these places. And you know what it is? It's not the fine linens. It's not the incredible food. It's the comfort. You know, like when you when you really boil it down to it, it's like, how do you be as comfortable as you possibly can? And I think the best plush resorts in the world, they find ways to get their guests comfortable. And I think that yeah. comes with service. I think that becomes a, a, a part of how good service is at a particular place. We were so lucky. I wasn't, uh, I was a guest for a couple of nights, but we did an event uh, wedding with Preston uh, Bailey in the Maldives. And I was never so blown away by this this resort that I've ever been. And I've been at some beauties around the world. Uh, and this one blew me away. And when we got back, we were like, you know what it was? It was the service. And yeah. so I think if you could boil it down to just being pampered on so, so, you know, luxuriously, that's what defines it. And the bad thing is that once you've had that, you can't go back. You're tainted for the rest of your life. You really are. So you're still a young man. In 10 years time, where do you want to be both professionally and personally? Grandfather? Yeah, you know, you're sure. If you want to throw some grandkids in there, you go, I can't, it's fine. I told my kids, if you have kids, it's great. If you don't, it's fine too. Uh, my wife doesn't want to hear that. But no, I, I to me, it's I, I always want to do what I'm doing now. I love, I love what we do. I love playing music. And if you really think about it, what we do for our professions, everybody, everybody involved in RSVP, really, if you think about it, we all provide everybody, the end users, with a happy joy experience it's it's really if you think about it we create happiness and as trite as that is as a statement i always love that and i always love being a part of it and playing great music sometimes i mean what do i really do now i stand in the back of the room i bop my neck and i'm like all right great we're doing a good job tonight but when i'm in the room with such amazing talent and i'm like holy shit this is so good um i never want to lose that so i could see myself in 10 years stepping away from the day-to-day -day insanity and the absolute bullshit that we deal with every single day. But if I could still be around those great experiences that we create in some way, I'd be happy, you know, but in a limited amount. Very few people in this profession leave and, and retire completely. They really do. It's, um, they go until the end because they just love it. You know, it's true. Um, uh, it's true. Yeah, Either yeah. they're broke and they have to. Well, well, yes, yes. Well, actually, that's probably more the um, the scenario. <laughs> okay. And has anyone it really influenced you in life, and and what advice have they given you? I feel like I've gotten lucky in in my career. You know, being in the in the entertainment business and being and working with some of the the stars, quote unquote, in our industry. I mean, you mentioned Marcy earlier, but from Preston Bailey and and on and on. I think I. I got exposed to some of these planners at a very young, a young start in my career, you know, and each one of them have given me like little tidbits, you know, little, little bits of knowledge of how to deal with the insane clientele and, and, you know, how to maintain my cool. And when I mentioned I was a wise ass when I was growing up, I was a wise ass in the beginning of this industry too. I thought I knew everything <laughs> and probably the best advice that came along the way was, you don't know shit, and if you can just stop, listen, and, and 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 slow down, don't answer so quickly, don't be the first to react. You know, I don't send my emails right away anymore. I'll type an email, I'll put it in drafts, I'll come back to it a couple of hours later. I mean, all these little tidbits that I've got from some of these like rock stars in our industry, 
um, I think have helped define who I am, not only in the industry, but who I am as a person too. It's made me a better person to be, you know, more tolerable. It is ironic. I was making this point to somebody last week. It's that when you're younger, you think you know everything and you yep. know absolutely nothing. nothing. And actually, when you do get older and you do know lots, you realize how little you do know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you still need to keep on doing it. Yeah. And, and, and actually, when you get to that level, in theory, you know that you're then in a safe place, I think. Yeah, and, and then you teach it to younger, you try to teach that until young. I have a lot of young people in my company, and I try to say from experience, I'm like, look, I think you think you know it now, but just give it some time, slow it down, answer, you know, don't overreact, you know, and then they say, shut up, old man, and they do it anyway. Yes, I know. Yes, yeah. I mean, um, one of my favorite phrases, you've got two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. Good one. See, James, that's going to go on my list. Well, there we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> what do you think is your biggest personal and professional accomplishments? Well, I imagine your marriage is to a lasted th 32 years in this industry anyway. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we spend so much time. I, I have a great balance, I think, of personal and, and work. And I think, I, I think I would advise that as people to, to search for and as like a great accomplishment. If you could balance your life with a, with, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're on your own company, you know, and you could balance what is insane of a life to uh, have a successful small business. And, and, you know, because you, they say, if you're a business owner, you have to put, you know, hundred percent of your time into it. Well, bullshit, you know, you do have to put a lot into that, but you should be able to like have a personal life too. So I guess I, I have great friends. I love my family and, and they're very different from my industry world. You know, you see people who are only their work is their personal life. And I, I think that's okay. It's great to be friends with people you work with, but it's also great to have separate lives. And so I think I love my balance of my, my professional life and my personal life. Now, what, what, what irritates you? What frustrates you? Stupidity. <laughs> stupidity like really bothers me yeah i mean like if if you you know what now is that can we say that i mean well oh no well, well it's one of my biggest bugbears i mean here here's another phrase for the book common sense ain't that common it's not you know you know we we have to be tolerant of it and it's nice and it's great if you're intolerant of stupidity that's probably a bad thing so learning to be tolerant of stupidity is something um but that's and, and probably I'm intolerant of intolerance. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's one for my book now. <laughs> Don't be intolerant. Okay. Yeah. No. Right. You're in the music business. So for 30 odd years, you must have been naughty an awful lot. And naughty can be construed in many different ways. Okay. A brand trait of RSVP is that we are naughty as a brand. So. So tell me some naughty things that you've done or tell me a naughty joke or dirty joke or both. Well, I mean, if you think about this, we, we being in the entertainment business, we have seen, well, we've seen a major shift, you know, 30 years ago when you, we were doing gigs, there was less, uh, let's say oversight that you could party with your guests. You could party with your your band before you go on to a, to a big hit and, and have fun. And nobody said a word, you know, it just, it became so, you know, inexcusable to, to actually have fun yourself at some, at work, so to speak, you know, like if you drink on a job right now as a professional, it is absolutely yeah. 
frowned upon. And I guess it should be because there's so many morons out there who take advantage of it. But back in the day, there were great times had when at work, you know, it was work, but yet we were partying and having fun and, and doing really bad, naughty shit. And it's it was rock and roll, isn't it? It's rock and roll. You know, a little <laughs> bit. We're, I, I joke around. I said, look, we, we're entertainers. We have fun. I mean, and people want to party with the entertainers, you know? And and so, yeah. And But guess what? We did it with the planners and everybody. And there were the whole, the whole lot of us all partied back then a million years ago. And now you just don't see that. So it's probably a good thing. Less fun, though. Less fun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay we're coming to the end of our session i'm afraid all the questions are up so thank you darren orlash born in the summer of 69 always a wise-ass member of the 27 club a wannabe beastie boy a good whittler who never stops believing and is nowhere near stairway to heaven thank you so much thank you james it was fun thank you for listening if you wish to join rsvp please go to the website rsvp.club or emailed me, james at rsvp.club. Our next large event is in Istanbul in April 2024. See you all next week.